Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. I share with you this thought, an unprecedented Sunday. An unprecedented Sunday. But this week, which is known by many as the Holy Week, is the week which precedes our Easter Sunday. This past Sunday is often mentioned and preached about by being that Palm Sunday. It's that moment of triumphant entry when that the Lord, uh, in Mark chapter 11, sent his disciples to bring a donkey back, and they brought the colt to Jesus. And when they brought the colt to Jesus, they had, uh, this is in Mark chapter 11, verse 7, that they brought the colt to Jesus and they cast their garments on him. And then he sat upon the colt, and many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees, and strawed them in the way that they went before, and that they followed, cried, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is the highest. This is that passage when we Remember that uh, triumphant entry where literally they took their coats and they threw them on the ground and made a carpet for the master to come into Jerusalem. And then upon arriving in Jerusalem there, the Lord goes to the temple. And when he arrived at the temple that day, he just walked in and looked around. I might simply say, when, when he had looked around, everything met what he was looking for. He turned and walked out that day and made his way then to Bethany where he spent the night probably in Lazarus' house. Um, I would like to make mention that maybe sometimes the Lord just shows up at church. And he just steps in the back door and he just kind of looks around to make sure everything's all right. Make sure everything is, is flowing, flowing right. And so he retired that evening probably to Lazarus' house to spend the night in the city of, of Bethany. On Monday, it starts an exciting day because at this point in Mark chapter 11, you still see the Lord... Uh, who is again going to the city of Jerusalem and there on, the, on this pathway between Bethany and, and, and uh, Jerusalem. He's, he comes across a fig tree that has leaves but it doesn't have fruit. And at that moment he curses that fig tree and says, no man, no man will ever eat from you. And when he walks away from there, we see how that the Lord then goes back to the temple where he had been yesterday looking things over yesterday, but today he walks in and he begins to do what you and I refer to as cleansing, cleansing the temple, Mark 11 and 15. And they all came to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. And he overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold the doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all the nations a house of prayer? But you have made it a, a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard this, and they sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. This Monday, you may call this a super Monday because the Lord walked into the house and he cleaned house. The Lord drove some things out of the church. He broke out a whip and turned over tables and, and took care of some things there in, in, in the church that day. 
Then the next day, the Lord, that Monday night, again retires back to Bethany. Again, probably back at Lazarus and Mary and Martha's home. Then on Tuesday, you might refer to this as Super Tuesday because there was a lot of things that happened on Tuesday before Easter. First off, first off, when they came back to Jerusalem that day, again, they saw the fig tree. And this time, the one yesterday that had leaves but no figs, this time they came across that same fig tree and they saw that it was cursed. And not only was it cursed, it had dried and withered overnight and it was completely twisted. And then the Lord enters at this point into a dissertation on prayer. He talks about, if you ask something in my name, that it will come to pass. He, he begins to talk to them about moving mountains through prayer. And then he, then he just, he has, has a moment there that you and I remember the story, but we don't realize this is Tuesday. This is Tuesday before the resurrection. This is Tuesday before the crucifixion. And he's telling them that whatever you ask, it's going to come about. And he's telling them if you have faith, you can move mountains. And he's preparing them for an incredible big event. And at the same time, when he arrives to the city, there he's challenged by the Sanhedrin court. The, the religious folks that standing around watching what's going on. And they begin to challenge him and question him. This leads the Lord into a series of parables that we find in in Matthew chapter 21. First off, he tells the parable of two sons. And the the Lord tells this parable of a father. This is Matthew 21. I'll simply read it. I didn't give it all to the IT people. There was just too many verses. And and what think you? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and he went. He came to the second son and said, likewise. And the second son answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Whither of them twain did the will of his father? And they said unto him, the first Jesus said unto them, verily, I say unto you, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came and you by the way of righteousness and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when you had seen it, repented, not afterward, that you might believe him. The Lord was not happy with the Sadducees. He was not happy. He was not happy with the Pharisee folk. And he was very clear at this point in saying, the publicans and the harlots, uh, the lowlifes, the people who are ill repute, the people who have, have great embarrassment and humiliation in their life, uh, they're closer to the kingdom than you that are filled with self-righteousness and you that think you've got the kingdom by the hand. And the Lord, again, is getting closer to Friday and is getting closer to Sunday. And then in Mark 12, he leads right into the next parable of the vineyard. And he began to say in them that a man, a certain man, had a vineyard. And he set a hedge about it. He he digged a place for the wine fat. He built a tower and set it out to husbandmen. And then he went into a far country. And at the season, he sent to the husbandman a servant uh, that he might receive from the husbandman the fruit of his vineyard. And they caught him and they beat him and they sent him away empty. And again, the husbandman sent out another servant. And at that time, they threw stones at him. They wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again, he sent the third and they killed him and many others beating some and killing some. Having yet therefore one son, his beloved, he sent him also last unto them saying, they will reverence 
my son. But those husbands said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him and they killed him and they cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and he will destroy the husband and he will give the vineyard unto others. And have you not read the scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and it was marvelous to her eyes. He talks about a parable of this man who owned the vineyard who kept sending his servants and then he sent his son. But if you realize it's a parallel, it is a, it is a type and a shadow of what has happened there over the years where the Lord has sent prophet after prophet after prophet and they killed prophets and they destroyed prophets. They took the lives of prophets and then the Lord says, I will send my son. I will go myself and they will reverence him. But they did not reverence him and they killed the son. This is the Lord beginning to prophesy what's going on this week and what's going to happen here the next few days. I'm the son. I'm the one that sinned. I robed myself in flesh. And you don't even recognize who I am. Who I am and what is going on. And then the Lord moves from that parable into the parable of the wedding feast. And that, and that feast where the husband, the father, where the king, he made a great feast for his son who was getting married. But nobody came to the wedding. So they sent people, that servants out to the highways and the byways and told them to come into the wedding. And then when the wedding feast was going on, when, when there was one servant there, one guest there at the wedding feast who hadn't donned oh, the garment, the wedding garment that had been, that had been handed to them at the door. He didn't put that garment on. And then we find where that there is a, there is judgment that comes to that man. There was a garment provided. You were welcome to my party. You were welcome to my feast. You were welcome to my family for this moment, but you weren't clothed correctly. You didn't put on what I told you to put on. You didn't take a, my garment and my covering in your life. So they threw this man out. And the Bible says there is weeping and that of teeth. Uh, please note uh, this series of parables on Super Tuesday is moving closer and closer to what would happen later in, in the week. Uh, and then there are those moments that, that were these collisions of, 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 of the institution and this God-man that took place. Uh, at one point, the Lord held up a coin and he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is Cause. And then this discussion of the resurrection would take place. And there is some great there is some great story that some great theological type laid out and said, Lord, what if a man passes and his wife is without child? And, and then the brother takes the wife and he dies. The next brother takes the wife and she and he dies. This happens several times until, until that all the brothers have died and there's still no son that will carry on the name of that first husband. There is this, there is this accounting that takes place. And the question they ask, the deep theological question they ask at this point, whose wife will she be on judgment day and God the Lord he knew the deceit in their heart and he says in my kingdom in my in my kingdom they never marry or they given in marriage but what he's saying is uh, we're moving into a spiritual realm and we're going into a place uh, we're going into a place where they don't operate in the same type of, of atmosphere that you operate in this world and please note that each of these stories is another step uh, toward 
what was going to be happening there that, that, there that week. Uh, then they ask him, how can you be the son of David? Here they ask this question, and, and they're trying to twist him up. Uh, and, he's, and they're asking him, how can you be the son of David? Our father David lived uh, 500 years ago. How can you be his son? What they didn't understand was the God that created the first man, Adam. And the God who allowed David to live and rule had robed himself in flesh. And this was not only the son of David by, by genealogy and, and, and lineage, but this was also the God who had formed and robed himself in flesh. And they're trying to twist the questions and, and to get his attention and distract what's going on. And then there was that poor widow woman. These are things that happened on that Tuesday. There was that poor widow woman that was standing there who gave that small offering. She put in a couple of quarters in the offerings, all she had. Referred to as the widow's might. And there, there was this wealthy Pharisee standing over there. And he was so proud of what he had. He went over there and had a $10,000 check. He walked up to the offering pan and waved it around for everybody to see. He wanted everybody to know what he was doing. And the Lord looked at that little widow woman with two mites. And that wealthy man that had $10,000 that he could give. And he just right then said, you know what? The one who has less and gives all, gives more than the one who has much. It's not a numeric value. It's, it's, it's no obedience to a principal value. And God says, if you'll obey my principle and operate in my kingdom and operate in my realm of faith, then you're going to find incredible things happening in your life. Uh, then there's references to things like the abomination of, of desolation. There's references to the great tribulation and the coming of the Son of Man. And then the Lord moves right into seven more parables. Uh, he's busy that day. That was a three-take day. That that was that, that was a that was a gallon jug water of David for the Lord that day. He just preached and he taught all day. If you go to look at this, it's like Matthew 21, 23, 22, and 23 chapters encompass this particular day in, in the Lord's life. He tells us he tells a story of a fig tree. And then he moves in and he begins to talk about as it was in the days of Lot. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. He moves into a parable that talks about two men were in the field sowing and two, and two people were in the bed. He begins to describe uh, there can be two people in the same place doing the same things but the Lord is coming back and in that moment two might be plowing one will be taken and another left. Uh, two can be asleep in the same bed and one taken and another left and each of these little stories is moving closer to, a super, to an incredible event that was happening. They couldn't understand what was about to happen. It was beyond their comprehension but this God knew where he was moving them to and one story at a time and one analogy at a time he was preparing their hearts and their minds for what was going on and then it talked about the master of a house uh, whom that had the master known at what hour the thief would come he would have been aware he's getting them so close uh, you got to be ready all the time you got to be alert all the time uh, because the son of man he says it this way the son of man returns in an hour when you think not. And so he's moving them close. Be alert and be aware. You may not know the moment. You may not know the day. You may not know the hour, but you've got to always be ready for God's plan in your life. And then he talks about faithful and evil servants and how that the Lord's coming back in a moment when you don't really understand. He tells the story of ten virgins, five wise and five foolish, and he brings them right to the midnight hour. Five had oil, five neglected oil, and there was a 
moment of the wedding. There was the moment of excitement. The moment that they had awaited. And in that anticipated moment, because some were prepared and some were not prepared, there were five who didn't make the wedding. There were five who made the wedding. And he wants you, that's the way it's going to be in the days of the coming of Son of Man. You can't just have religion and think you're going to make the rapture. You've you got to have an experience. You've got to have on the right garment. You've got to have enough oil. You've got to be prepared. You've got to do what God says. And he's moving fast. He's moving fast through this, through this single day. And then, then he enters into this discussion, this long discussion of the final judgment. He takes it, he begins to talk about sheep and goats. And on one side, goats were gathered. On one other side, there were sheep gathered. And he begins to expound on goats and sheep. Let me tell you something, folks. Uh, we as apostolic need to have a spirit of the sheep uh, where we can follow, where we can be humble. We don't need to have an old goat spirit where we run off over here and do that and run over here. We need to have that spirit of a sheep where we can follow after the Lord and he can be used in our life and he says it's part of this final judgment is you've got to be a sheep or he is the great shepherd and he don't want us to be those the spirit of a goat amen 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 that was super Tuesday he retreats back to Lazarus house and when he's there they spend the night again and then then on Wednesday uh, and then on Wednesday you begin to see the conspiracy of the Jews against Jesus uh, these Pharisees Pharisees Sadducees and, and then the high priest uh, they begin to conspire how can we kill him how can we destroy him it was then at Bethany this time he was at Simon's house in Bethany it was at this moment that the little lady that was of ill repute comes into the place where they're city and she begins to weep and cry and wash his feet with the tears and dry it with the hair and broke alabaster across his feet and, and when the self-righteous assignment says if you knew what kind of woman this was you wouldn't have allowed this to happen and all that all of that had gone on and the Lord says this woman hath anointed me for my death here it is a day away from his death a day away from this thing that was going to be so big and change the world forever and he says you could have washed my feet when you got there but you didn't do it but a little little harlot girl a little lady of ill repute she comes in and she's so contrite she weeps and washes my feet pours the and, and pours the uh, perfume on my feet and anoints me folks i'm here today the lord was moving them closer and closer to what was going to transpire in those next few hours then he offers the sermon of the last at the at the last supper and he begins to talk about betrayals he begins to talk about all these things later in that day when they're talking about betrayal and they're, they're talking about uh, and they're talking about is it me lord and, and there's disciples and, and they're, they're looking at each other is it me is it me they're all asking and then when it comes around to judas uh, uh the lord says uh, uh, judas says is it me lord and, and then the lord looked at him and says thou knowest then he begins to pass around the little cup of wine and says he that shares a sock with me he who eats this bread with me will be the one when it passed around the table and when it when it got to judas judas was bold at this point uh, already he had negotiated a price for Jesus uh, already he'd been there with a the high priest and he had already got the money he, Jesus knew what was going on and it was at this point that Judas uh, reached the bread into the wine and when he shared that with the Lord and he participated with that in the Lord the Lord looked at him and says what you do Judas uh, you do it quick uh, Judas ran from the room and the disciples were astounded let me tell you folks uh, there could be the greatest thing happen in the kingdom of God and there might just might be somebody who decides I, I'm not going to be around for the miracle and I'm not going to be around I'm going to seek my own but I'm here today to say in the faith and excitement of what can happen in the realm of the spirit
spirit. Don't sell out short and don't sell out cheap, but do what you have to do to be close to God and close to the kingdom. Amen, 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 amen. It was at this point also, it was at this point also that the Lord began to wash the feet of his disciples. Uh, now listen, we're, we're, we've already moved, we're moving past the fourth day now. And, and things, things, are, things are happening quickly. It was at this moment the Lord grabbed the towel and wrapped it around his waist and began to wash the feet of his disciples. The disciples were astounded. They didn't feel comfortable with it. And then boisterous Peter, he starts saying, Lord, you're not washing my feet. Lord, uh, not you, Lord. Lord, I should wash your feet, not you wash mine. And the Lord looked at him and pointed his finger in his face and said, Peter... If I don't wash your feet, you have no part in my kingdom. And then what an incredible attitude was displayed. Lord, don't just wash my feet, but wash my hands and wash my head also. There needs to be some folks say, Lord, I don't want just a partial washing, but wash me from my feet to my head. A total washing and a total cleansing. Amen. Amen. And there was this thing that, that, that unfolds and, and, and works at this point. And, and the Lord, uh, they're, they're having this, this time at this Last Supper. And then they leave that place and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples side. they're going to go and pray. They fall asleep. The Lord's gone on ahead and he's prayed. And to this moment that he sweat and, and wept and cried and prayed to the point that blood broke through his flesh. And blood, blood broke through his, his, the pores of his skin. And it was also at this point that Judas shows up. Uh, and they find that Malchus, uh, Judas. Judas and the rest of and the rest of that host uh, that came to arrest him. They came to arrest him, and Judas kissed him on the cheek. Uh, Peter pulled that sword and zealously he pulled that sword and cut off Malchus's ear. Peter didn't mean to cut off his ear. Peter was trying to kill Malchus. Uh, Peter was trying to destroy it. Uh, but let me show you something. In the midst of betrayal, in the in the midst of in the midst of all that was going on, the Lord reaches down and picks up an ear that's cut off the side of somebody that's come to kill him. Somebody that's come to destroy him. He picks the ear off the ground, puts it back, slaps it back on the side of Malchus's head, and that ear is healed. I want to say the blood was gone. I want to say the scars were gone. Because in that moment of betrayal, the miracle worker was still the miracle worker. And they couldn't do a thing to him that he didn't allow to happen. They couldn't touch him if he hadn't allowed it to happen. And so we, we see that they take him and they arrest him. And on that Good Friday, there was six trials that took place. Three religious trials. He faced Annas, the priest. He faced Caiaphas, the high priest. He was brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the entire host of, of the priesthood. And they all found him guilty. They moved him over from the religious system over to the political system. And they're there for Roman trials. They took him, they took him to, uh, to Herod. And they took him to Pilate. There for these... For these civil trials that would take place and all of them found him guilty but nobody would pronounce judgment of him but then we find him beaten with with, with cattails beaten with a beaten with a whip and led to calvary he walks up the hill with a cross on his back and it's at this point that you and i become familiar with what was going on with the easter story it was the way of the cross god jesus didn't have to do this he chose to do this he could have called a host of angels to rescue him but no he chose it because in Hebrews we find that who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame and he took unto him all of the ordinances and head writing of ordinances that were written against you. And every sin was nailed to the cross. Every sin was nailed. 
that time, at that point on the cross for you and I. And at 3 o'clock, the sky grows dark. At 3 o'clock, the clouds come. At 3 o'clock, lightning bolts flash. At 3 o'clock, the veil of the temple is ripped in half from the top to the bottom. Not the bottom to the top. A man would have had to go from the bottom to the top. But God from heaven, the hand of God, grabbed that veil that separated you and I from the holy place. And it was the hands of God that ripped that veil from the top to the bottom. And then there was no middle wall of partition. And every man could walk into the holy place. He was getting ready for what was going to happen for you and I. He was getting ready for a church. And at 3 o'clock, Jesus died. 3 o'clock Friday, Jesus died. That is the chronology of that week. Saturday, it's quiet. Somewhere before dusk on Friday, though, the, they, they, somebody had come, Simon had come and say, could I, could, I, could I share my tomb with him? Could I put him in my tomb? And so they moved him into that borrowed grave. They sealed it by the Roman governor's seal. And then Saturday, it's quiet. Saturday, it's over with. Hell was dancing, the victory dance. They were having a big time party in hell that day. On Friday night, Saturday night in hell that night was a big party. They had no clue what was going on. They had no clue that there, that there was. Jesus had been telling about it all the time. He had told them a half a dozen times, you destroy this temple and in three days I'm going to raise it up. You're you not going to keep me in that grave. But, but it, you may destroy this, but in three days it's coming back. And, and they think that's just religious talk. That's just religious speak. But when God says uh, in three days, if you destroy this thing, it's coming back. Uh, he, he means that. And hell was partying. And let me simply pause and say, if you get a promise from God, if you get a word from God, and it, it, it's specific, you might as well just sit back and begin to worship and rejoice. Because knowing if God says in three days it's coming back, it's coming back. If God says your husband is going to have the Holy Ghost, uh, he's going to get the Holy Ghost. If God says your children are going to live for God, you might as well be prepared. Your children are going to live for God. When, when he speaks, that's the way it is. And so three days. And then, of course, on resurrection morning. On resurrection morning, he arose. And then, of course, the chronology following of that is, is just incredible. Ladies came. They found the tomb was empty. And that they, they saw somebody that they perceived to be the gardener, but it was really the Lord. They, the, the Lord sent them to go tell the disciples and talk to the, all the disciples and give them the message. The disciples are hiding out in the upper room. They break and they run to the, temp, the tomb because they got to see this for themselves. And this is all, all unfolding very quickly, but it's resurrection morning. Can I tell you that resurrection morning was an unprecedented moment. Never had man seen seen such a thing. Never had man experienced such a thing. And there's nothing that equals the power and the beauty of an Easter Sunday morning. There's power on Easter Sunday. There's resurrection on Easter Sunday. That's a day that represents the miraculous. And my entire study for you for the last 23, 24 minutes has been this. This Sunday is Easter Sunday. And that's resurrection day. So you and I might as well determine in our spirits we're going to come to the house of God on resurrection Sunday with our Minds made up. There will be a move of God. There will be a manifestation of the Spirit. There will be a witness of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm simply bold enough to say on this Wednesday night, as I'm simply trying to prepare us and get us ready for Easter Sunday, you better come with faith. You better come with determination. Don't come in late because you couldn't get your new dress to work out. I'm telling you, get in the house of God. Walk here. There's going to be somebody here that needs the witness of the Holy Ghost. Our evangelist said, can I just preach what I feel or do I have to preach about Easter? No, I said, you just come and let's follow the Holy Ghost and let's have a move of the Spirit on Sunday.
Sunday morning. I'm simply here to say it's an unprecedented time. It's an unprecedented season. And it's going to be an unprecedented Easter in our church. You might as well get excited about it. You might as well begin to rejoice about it. Because we're releasing in this house a spirit of faith. And just as it was a miracle on that first Easter, it's going to be miraculous on this Easter in our church house. This weekend will be unprecedented. This weekend will not just be mechanical. This weekend will be filled with power. It'll be filled with demonstration. It'll be filled with the witness of the Holy Ghost. It will be an unprecedented Sunday. You might as well get excited. You might as well tell somebody about it. You might as well bring your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law, your mother-in-law. You might as well say, okay, this is the moment. God's heard your prayers. You might as well come on Sunday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just shared the entire timeline of what happened then. But what would happen this week in your family if you got a hold of God and you got your family on the timetable of Easter and you you let them know that it's a miracle going to happen Sunday. And if you'll just get there, God can heal you. God can save you. God can encourage you. God can fix you. If If you'll stick your family in that timeline of the miraculous, stick your circumstances on that timeline of an unprecedented miraculous outpouring of the Holy Ghost.